This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, LS Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello and welcome to the Love strangers a swindon town fan podcast with me rich pullen proudly sponsored by the stfc official supporters club rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside beautiful play that is that what a good shot I will win this league anyway. Richie, he's hit it. It's Crabbley! To the fans over in, in, over in Swindon, <laughs> uh, I haven't, to be honest, I haven't been I haven't been down for a while. Uh, I need to get down on well a game when all this crisis is, is over. Yes, of course, we are recording this during the self isolation period of everybody, which kind of works in my favour because everyone's suddenly available. But it is a very weird situation. So, <laughs> so the way I like to start these podcasts, Billy, is by asking, who did you support when you were younger, and who were your childhood football heroes? Well, the team I support is is Everton. Grew up with my dad taking me to games, season ticket holders. Uh, that soon stopped when I did get into football. I still go to the odd game when I was playing. Heroes growing up, heroes scoring goals, striker, big Duncan Ferguson, legends at Everton. Watched a lot of Italian football on Channel 4. So with the likes of Ronaldo, Del Piero, Baggio, Zidane, them players who stood out in on, on the Channel 4. Lovely stuff. And I mean, we're the same school year, me and you. So you. You start supporting Everton just as the glory days are just ending as well, like Tony Cotty and Neville Southall in his prime is just just beginning to end. But it it, it was such a dramatic decline, wasn't it? I mean, when we when we're younger, 
like Everton had those last day of the season survivals and things like that, didn't they? Yeah, obviously I went to a few of those games. The atmosphere at the time was was was, was great because we ended up winning the games uh, and su- surviving. Now, a team like Everton, it's, it's a massive club. They shouldn't be in those situations, but they did. Uh, and thankfully, they survived uh, and, and stayed in the Premier uh, Were you one of those freaks of nature that scored like 50 goals in 12 games? No, uh, I played in all different positions. Growing up, I was in midfield, played on the right, I played centre-half. I had a little spelling goal as well. As a kid, I just wanted to play football and any team I was happy to play anyway. So how does a lad from Merseyside end up in Burslem? Yeah, uh, there was a scout called Henry Bradley. He was you know, the Northwest scout in, in Liverpool for, for Paul Fale. He used to come and, to be honest, played against most of his teams as well because he had, a, he had a, a Sunday league team. And, of course, as I, a couple of times, and he uh, asked me if I wanted to go down for the trial. did have a, a trial at Everton. But unfortunately, at the time, it wasn't what they were looking for. And then, quick change, Paul Fell came in and I went down for a trial. Got sna- got snapped up really quick. And Paul Fell from the age of 10, 11 till 20, 21. That is, that is quite some time. So was that commuting from Liverpool down to down to Stoke, um, Burslem on yeah. a regular basis, yeah? Yeah, so we were saying on a Wednesday... Friday nights, games on on Sunday. I did have help because another lad living down down the road from me is that we shared the lips. So I remember going, getting training. So at seven, getting back late, ten o'clock, having me me tea in, in the aisle, tin foil sandwiches, pack lunch, getting back, getting showers, getting ready for school the next day. Made me made me debut when I was sixteen. Bit a bit of luck really with the way it pans out. There was a few injuries in the reserve game. The only fit striker at the time was me. So I was 15 playing reserve team football. Got me chance through there. Uh, done really well. Caught the eye of the first team manager, Brian Orton. Uh, and he gave me me chance against Walsall at home. Amazing. Now, you would have come through then at the same time as Chris Birchall. Would you have ever believed that he would have made a World Cup? No, because it was funny because... Uh, we used to joke with him when he said, oh, I, I could play for Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> this is what, well, this was 13, 12, 13, 14. We used to joke, but, you know, that joke came reality. Yeah, he played in a, a World Cup against England, against Beckham, and he, he went on to, to even be a teammate. Unbelievable story that, isn't it? So, as you mentioned at the top there, you are introduced into the Port Vale senior side at a really, really young age, aren't you? So you must be, what, 16? But you said that you were 15 when you started sort of training and playing with the firsts. Yeah, because uh, I'm, say, J- July, young, one of the year. I left when I was f- 15, so I went down for pre-season. 15, left home, went in digs in the middle of nowhere, the leak. Used to commute, get buses, two, three buses to get into training. Then training with youth team, not playing regular football, but it was more like a learning curve. Then injuries happens, reserve team football. But when reserve team football was real, it was not like the under-23s football now. It was playing against experienced pros that would come back from injury or keep them fit. So it was like a first-team game anyway. So I got my chance, a few injuries. Done really well in reserve team football, but when I went back down to youth team, I still couldn't get a game for the youth team. 
And then caught, caught the eye of Brian Orton. He gave me a chance. Came on against Warsaw. Yeah, 3rd of May 2001. I was one of the youngest uh, Vale players for 20-odd for years. I interpret like our generation, so people born 81, 82, 83, 84. We, footballers from that, from that age group, I, I think they're the transition of old football to new football, aren't they? Because you would have been training yeah. and playing alongside people that were starting out in the 80s, which is a completely different brand, yeah. pre-Backpass, for example, and things like that. Yeah. What was it like being a child, essentially, in that environment? Were they were they good to you, or did they treat you the same as everybody else? Obviously, Paul Fowler were always good to me. I uh, had some good coaches growing up through the years, through the the age groups, as I say, I just wanted to play football. Every opportunity, even with me dad, was to go and play five sides with him and his workmates. So then I sort of got I learned the, as you say, the our last ways, the little tricks of the trade. <laughs> so that sort of helped me helped me in my game, uh, and sort of mastered them as as my career went on. You mentioned there, Brian Horton was your manager for the majority of your time there by the uh, last season and a half or so. Brian Horton was assistant manager at Swindon very briefly in recent years. What was it? Yeah. Why was he so influential? Uh, I think he liked how, I say, streetwise, old-headed on a young shoulders that I had. He really opened my eyes and, and really, if I weren't doing something right, he'd fucking tell me. And that was like, a, oh, I've got to do... I best not be doing what I'm doing. I best be doing something right next time because I was getting told. So that was a, a, an introduction into first-team football, a proper eye-opener, proper bollocking. <laughs> Some, something now that it's it's gone out of the game. You've got to talk to, to people in a different way. But back then, it was really in your face where spits coming straight into your eyes. And if you looked away, <laughs> you're just going to have to you just have to take, wipe the spit off your face. <laughs> well... It works for you because you have a really nice, slow and gradual build-up to becoming, you know, the number one centre-forward for Port Vale. So by the 2003-04 season, when you're playing almost every game, you're scoring goals, you're almost in the playoffs. You just miss out. I mean, Swindon contributed to that with Hartlepool on the last day, I remember. But Yeah, yeah. When I was speaking to people in Swindon, I always thought was was there something fishy going on <laughs> uh, between Hartlepool and Swindon. But it listen, it, it happens in the game. We missed out. We had a fantastic team. There were times where I had to be pushed out to the right and played right wing, left wing, because we had such a good uh, strike force. So it was just happy. I was just happy to to, play, to be in the team. Whereas players now they don't want to be. Well, I don't like playing on the left. I, I prefer to play on the right. And even even kids, you know, if if you're getting a chance to play, then take it because that leads into experience. That leads into an opportunity to someone else to catch 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 the light. Sure. And I think for Swindon fans, the first one with that season was a few weeks before in the three three, where of course you scored your first. Well, you scored against Swindon, but what a comeback yeah. that was, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was what three, three nil. Yep. And then we had to finish three three. And then I had a volley that just whistled past the the top corner. Could have made it four three, but entertaining, entertaining game for for the fans definitely. I remember it very well. Okay, so 
That's Port Vale. I mean, you know, we've, we've whistled through that, but it was good over 100. I mean, you played most of your football for Port Vale and it's all at third tier yeah. level. So that's a good basis. You know, we have people that started in the Premier League that have to drop all the way down. We have people who've started in non-league and move up. But to start straight away in, in League One, what it is now, is a really good grounding yeah. in football, isn't it? It is. Now with the clubs like Port Vale, they haven't got money to go out and spend hundreds and thousands to bring players in so they have to rely on talent coming through uh, and with that year we had about seven or eight players come through the group so which is good for the club and that got you your move to the next level which was with Hull City and Peter Taylor which was initially unknown um, but then you made it permanent pretty sure afterwards yeah. um, how did you find that step up to the championship uh, yeah it was fine collectively got in played right wing Again, a couple of times up, up front. I don't know if I was signed as a right winger, to be honest. But when I, when when I did Peter when Peter Taylor left, he did phone me up and said, hey, "You know, he apologised for for not playing me rifle position, which was which was a surprise, you know. But it was I appreciated the call. But I was only there for a brief sort of spell, which I, I really enjoyed my time at all, and I wanted to to really kick on. Uh, the pre-season, we came back. Phil Parkinson came in. And we had a good talk. He said, "We, you know, I want you to lead the, the line for, for Hull, uh, to be my main striker. I had a good pre-season, came back really fit, looking forward to the season and just about to get on the coach. Uh, he said that we've had a, a bid from Southend, which took me on a backward step. Wasn't I wasn't quite pleased, but I was like, where's this come from? But for me, me, me time there, yeah, it was, it was brief. A couple of appearances, a couple of goals, but not not something that I, I wanted to, to sort of finish on. When when I was doing the research for this episode, you know, you look. I always look to see who's managing and what happens, and something that happens quite a few times at this stage is you're bought by one person, and then a new man comes in. Was it a case of? Do you think it was more a case of Phil Parkinson was happy to move you on because he had his own players in mind? Probably, yeah, but that's what couldn't get me out now because a couple of weeks before, he was, you know, we couldn't speak highly enough of me uh, and he, he was telling me that I was going to be the main man up top for him yeah. to lead the line and then weeks later, again, things happen, things change in football quick. I was getting on the coach to go to West Brom. Instead, I got in my car. It took me seven, seven and a half hours <laughs> to get to South, to South End. And I was sort of questioning at the time, but yeah. I had, say, agents on agents on the phone telling me it was, it was the best best move for me. Uh, when I had my doubts, got to South End late on, still in my whole tracky, uh, signs. And uh, at the time, I, it was probably I wasn't thinking straight. It was just rushed. No, it's something that I've learned a lot doing this podcast is players join clubs without really wanting to. Yeah. No, I say if if you know the agent made money or he had he had plans or went to South Ends. South End was trying to get sell Fred Eastwood. Fred Eastwood didn't they didn't get his move at the time. So then that sort of put me back in the pecking order because Fred Eastwood was, was the main man there. He was the, the hero. Uh, the fans loved him and it's something that I had to, to sign work alongside that again made a few appearances for him didn't quite settle into the area my family was was still young me, me and the manager didn't quite get on so 
that led to a, a long spell to Bradford, which I really enjoyed being back home, yeah. back up north. That was it's good loan move, really enjoyed it. Was hoping to try and make that permanent, but it, it never never materialised. Is that on the basis that, I mean, you were signed, I think, by Colin Todd, ex-Winded manager, and then he leaves weeks later. David Weatherall sees through pretty much your your enjoyable loan spell, but Bradford did get relegated, and that was probably the reason why you, you, you couldn't stick Pro- around? Yeah, probably. Uh, I was happy to play for Bradford. Uh, something, uh, I don't know if Bradford and Southend couldn't agree on something. I was happy to be back home. I wasn't really fussed where, where I was playing. Yeah. So I went back down to... South ends for pre-season. That's uh, you know get on with it, get uh, be professional as I was, and then around August, just finished training and got a phone call to say go and uh, go to Swindon with the talks. Allison's done well. They're surrounded by these players and still managed to find a way out to Paul Allen. Here's Walters. They've got some strength in the box here. If he can get the cross in, Walters, and he can. And Allison's there. Well, that's an absolute peach of a goal. Yeah, so you joined Swindon on deadline day in late August 2007 alongside Simon Cox and JP McGovern. A very yeah. good day for Swindon that was, transfer-wise. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are those days like? So you've already said sort of like you joined Southend in your whole tracksuit. Was it, is it like you're borderline speeding to get to the destination or do you meet it halfway or anything like that? Well, no, I will just finished training at Southend, so I, I got the call quite early, so I just, just got a bag and set on my travels. Got there quite handy. It was light at Swindon. I, was, I remember it was only around the corner in the retail park. And it, it was, you know, clubs were trying to, both clubs were trying to organise something. Uh, Steve Tilson was, was phoning me up, saying, uh, call me for all sorts. And I was, in the end, I, I knew I was going out. I was winding them up, going, I'm not moving. Because I've I've just bought a new lovely kitchen, so I'm I'll, I'll see you in the morning. I'm not I'm not fussed, and he's effing and blinding at me. And I went, all right, I'll just see you in the morning. Put the phone down, and then the agent phones up. It was when the the Portuguese owners, yeah, best holdings, yeah, yeah, uh, Rufus Brevet, and they they were phoning me up saying it would get sorted. But it was it was the longest wait I had in a retail park because <laughs> uh, it, it went down to the wire. In the end, it did get all sorted. Paul Sturrock, spoke to Paul Sturrock, looking forward to working with him. Really looking forward to had a good feel. Paul Sturrock spoke really high about the club as bad as team. Uh, and I couldn't couldn't wait to get going, really. It sounds like, based on your relationship with Steve Tilson, you know, Paul Sturrock could have said anything <laughs> to, uh, to yeah, get you could out have, of there. Yeah. It's, you know, yeah, it could have been anyone. I, I, I was just happy to say, uh, yeah, get out at the time. But I say I met good people at, at all the clubs that I have been at, friends of... of I've always kept in touch with all the years, so. Yeah, let's stick with Paul Sturrock and we'll go on to broader things. What, what are your memories? Because you didn't work with him for that long because he, he legged it a couple of months later due to, you know, Plymouth coming and calling again. What, what yeah. were your memories of working under Luggy? <laughs> well, I remember the, the game he uh, when I just signed and he was just chilled watching the game up top. I think it was Chef, Chef Red on the telly and he was just lying on the couch and he went, oh, come in. So <laughs> laid back. Uh, again, just a people's person, down to earth. You talk to him. My management was really good. He brought in some experienced pros, players that I think done well for him in the in the past. Yeah, he had a good relationship with players, so he wanted a a, a group that 
he could trust. Look, I'm not going to lie to you, Billy. Any player from your era that I've spoke to have always talked about Billy Painter being something of a character um, with various stories flying about, but they don't necessarily tell me everything. So I hope you've got a list of stuff that you used to get up to and we'll talk about on the pitch matters shortly. But there is one that Callum Kennedy told in relation to one Kaid Mohammed. Yeah, well, at the time where we were swimming, I used to live in Oakhurst and it, you know, you, you could get get to people quite quick in the town. Being a good dressing room, we had we had a good lot of good banter in there. I just thought, well, I need to move stuff from South End uh, to Swindon in a flat. So, how to make it fun? Well, I got Michael Puckin and uh, Blackie Blackburn. Them two already agreed. Well, we'll do it, no no problem. Kaid started getting into the conversation. What's this? What's this? And just my mind just went, ah. Oh. Big gangster wants uh, to move stuff from from one house to another, but you know it's got to be a, a quiet job, and that we've got to do it really proper. And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, can I get? Will I get paid for it? Oh, yeah, you'll get boxed off some <laughs> some dollar in there, but you can't, you've got to keep it quiet. So he got sucked in. So me and Pucky were just trying to add more to the story. What can we do, right? So we hired a white van. We said we've got to dress up, get a dress up in all black. So, Blackie came in with a, a black suit, like like James Bond, basically, <laughs> with a black hat and a dicky bow on. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, he's going to know it's it's a laugh here. But he didn't. He still went around with the story. He was he sat in the back of uh, the van. It was freezing cold. While those three were <laughs> sat in the front just driving along. I bought him dinner. So, in the end, got to the house. Told to be quiet, looking around, the neighbour's got to be quiet. I said, whatever you do, whatever you, uh, don't be taking stuff because the fella, he'll, he'll go mad and he'll, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll do you in. He said, yeah, okay, okay. So we we planted like little bags of, of Powerade to, to see what he'd do. <laughs> <laughs> and he was fine going, oh my God, that must be worth a lot of money, that. Thinking it was, you know, cocaine, but it was Powerade. I was like, do you know what? You can keep that. Keep that, whatever you do. We can't be taking it. So he comes down, there's pockets, and went right, all, all my gears in the van. And my missus was going apeshit, by the way, because when she did see all the gear, it was all, it was damaged. The fridges were dented. The TV was all scratched. I was like, all for basically a prank. I, like, I said to Kai, empty your pockets. He's come down with an old phone. The old Sirocco, not you, Sirocco, and me boys, PS, uh, PlayStation, portable PlayStation. I know you can't be doing that. He was like, oh, oh, sorry. By the way, I found these letters, William Painter. I went, oh, yeah, that's just a cover up. He said, why has he all got your shirts, all your shirts? Oh, and he's a fan. And he, I'm thinking to myself, this lad's going to cl- click on him in a minute. He did not click. He's just thinking, all right, so gets in. And Blackie and Pucky are in. In, back in the uh, back with him now, and they're pretending that the power aid. I'm like, what's this? Oh, and Blackie's going. Oh, I can see beds, oh rainbows, and Kaid's going. I'm sure this is power aid, <laughs> but them two are still going along with it. So get home, the van, cheers, we'll sort you out the money, and he still thinks right. I'm getting paid yeah. Next day, he wants he wants the uh, the van emptied into an apartment. And so Kaid came, helped me get all my stuff upstairs. And this went on. I would think to myself, this lad surely doesn't uh, realise 
that this is a joke. <laughs> I had to pull him. I had to pull him and say, Kaid, it was all a joke, you know. It was all my stuff. He took it the wrong way. He was like, nah, I want me money. <laughs> I want me money. You should be paying me. And I went, there's no money. There is no money. And Pukia Black, he was in the back laughing their heads off. Hasney was in on it. He was just in, in stitches. It took him, it took Kaid a while to get over that. Yeah. I mean, his Swindon career doesn't really kick on and maybe you're responsible for that. Well, listen, we had a good laugh out of, out of it. So, uh, Worth it. The dressing room, yeah, the dressing room for, for weeks we're, talk, we're talking about it. But again, that's the dressing room that we had at the time. It was a good dressing room. There was always something happening. There was always banter. Yeah, uh, people, new people coming in, new players coming in. They'd get it straight away. So it was, you know, you'd fit in straight away, break the ice. And how do you break the ice? Well, I've heard Sai Ferry with, with the pitches. So we, new pitches coming in. That you walk in, we had Sai Ferry with the Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> pitches that are lookalikes. It's just to, to get them, get them laughing and. And stuff like Scott Scott Cuthberg, he he got some he got some uh, stick between me and Sean Morrison. He used to live with his missus, but his missus used to go back up to Scotland. Yeah. And Sai Ferry was staying with him at the time. And we used to go round and sign, you know, try and get in his house to say, "Come on, Scott, let us in, let's sit off with you." And he wouldn't. So we said, "Right, that's our aim to try and get in the house and <laughs> and, and to have a little, make him get on para." So me and Sean used to go in, act all normal, quiet and. Polite. Then Sean would just disappear, and we're like, "Oh, where's he gone now?" So he's going hard. Got to go and find him. So then I'd going hard. He was. <laughs> so Scott was like, "Get out of my house! Get out of my house!" Pretending to uh, say, "Oh, we've been in your missus' drawers and all stuff like that." So he was on para. So he had a uh, patio key in the back door. So we t- I took that, <laughs> knowing that I know knowing that he's going to be up in Scotland. So he went back to Scotland. Sai Ferry's in on it, by the way, and he's like playing all the innocence with it. <laughs> uh, he's 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 keeping me involved to Texas. Yeah, we're about to get in the airport. We're in Scotland. We're in this, this, that. So me and me and uh, Sean got into his house. We turned his house upside down. So we set up the uh, Christmas tree in his bedroom. Made that like into a living room. Brought his bed down into the kitchen. We we shuffled all all his house. Yeah, Christmas baubles in his bed, all tinsel. <laughs> he's coming back. Sai Ferry's going. Oh, something up here, lads. He, he's not well. Oh, this is going to go bad. So, Sight then Ferry is panicking and started to revert that he's not in the store, he's not in the trick. So, I found out on the flight he had vomiting diarrhea and all he wanted to do was get into his bed off, off a late flight. So, he, he gets he gets into the house and his bed's in the kitchen with all tinsels in it and he's like, I've got to clean that up. I've got to move all this back upstairs to, into, into my own room. So he's, he's had to do all this, and Sai's had to help him out while he's feeling like shit. Wow. So I said, I know it's you, I know it's you. I'm like, what do you mean to me? I don't know what you're on about. So again, he's another one, didn't speak to me for, for a good few months. <laughs> uh, and we, try, we still try to get we, we still try to get in. Like he's Honestly, I'm sitting down a couple of yards away from him in the dressing room. And I'm trying to talk to him, and he's like looking away. And I think to myself, oh, he took, he took this the wrong way. But oh, yeah, I mean, it was, that was another that was another relationship I had to sign sweeten up. <laughs> I'm always impressed by Sean Morrison because he's so young at that stage, but gets stuck in. Yeah, well, he was sort of me a little protege. He, he, he'd love it. He'd love it. He, he, if I had an idea, yeah, I'm involved. It was as good. It was a, a close knit team, 
And because we were all close together in the living areas, all you have to do is pick up the phone and go, right, we're going to do this tonight. And it was it was getting done, getting yeah. done. Chris Blackburn's another name that gets mentioned a couple of times just because he didn't have that mentality of a footballer because he just didn't care, did he? He beat by his own drum. He, I, I, when I first met him, you'd think he, he was also homeless. Uh, the way he'd come in, dressed, he wasn't... Listen, and I don't mean that in a bad way. He, he didn't care. He wasn't really a material fella. Uh, I think he was... He was a, his religion was Buddhist, and he'd travel the world, and for for months he'd, he'd donate his his money and and live in in remote areas, which which was fantastic. It was a proper island where you think of yourself, you go from you see from another lad across him. Now one lad might be all materialistic, buying all uh, trainees, wash bags or whatever. This fellow, this fellow wasn't. Yeah, absolutely. Now on the pitch, it, it was it was quite interesting early on because I think Simon Cox has already been with us on loan, started scoring, but you had the sort of breakout appearance early on because you got that hat trick against Bournemouth, who were you know player wise, they had some names in that squad at the time. I think they had like Darren yeah. Anterton and Paul Telfer. Begovic was in goal, I think. You know, yeah. really, yeah. really good day for you in that respect. Yeah, I always say to me, me son, go, yeah, name name some players to score at Atsuk against Begovic. <laughs> and he'd be like, oh, Mo Salah. I was like, oh, right, yeah. yeah. I think he missed someone there. You know who? He went, yeah, it's just me. You know what I And I'll walk up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, uh, yeah, it was, so he started off really well uh, and then followed up with a double against Gillingham. Mm. But me and me and Coxie then was, was starting to produce a good partnership. He'd play on more on the shoulder and I'd come come short. So we were, you know, the movement-wise was we were linking up really well. Uh, some of the goals Coxie scored. Yeah. Fucking frightening. You were the sort of foil for Cox, weren't you, at that stage? Yeah, I took all the knocks. I always say to him, I took all the knocks and, and uh, played all the three balls for him. And you, you look at his goals. There's a, you know, I always say I, I did have a hand to playing him. <laughs> And then Sturrock goes, and then we've got David Byrne for a little while before yeah. Morris Malpass arrives. Morris How, Malpass. Yeah. Before we go to Morris, what were your experiences of, of Budgie? Budgie? Budgie was fine. I, I'm, I was surprised that he, he didn't get the job because he already knew the team. He knew how the way we were playing. Uh, and I don't know what was going behind the scenes and if Sturrock helped Malpass got the job at the time. But... It was it was a surprise because I thought Budgie was going to get it again, and then a new manager comes in with ideas. Budgie's working alongside him. He, he tried to put his own stamp on a team, which I, I think every manager wants to. So Morris Malpass, what was your experiences of him? I liked him. He was he was fine. He'd, he'd tell you straight. Again, I, was, I, was, I don't know what his record was like at the time. He, he did didn't last long. No, he did not. He did. I mean, he, he finished off the season and started the next one. But we'll we'll get to the next season, the following season, just a moment. But I do want to talk about a couple of games from your first season. We got to talk about Barnet in the cup, haven't we? <laughs> oh yeah, that was. Uh, I, sc- I started off with a score on own goal. Yeah, uh, I couldn't believe it. It's just a cross just came in and just flicked off me me boot and went went in. To be honest, you should blame the keeper there. Not my fault. The keeper shouldn't shouldn't get beat by his near post. <laughs> so you see, you, you see keepers uh, with all the reaction saves and training. Not not that one. He was rooted. Yeah. So you... but yeah, we, again, got all nice little goals. To be fair, control over the top, uh, ball over the top, controlled it well. Plotted it. 
Yeah, and then it goes to penalties, but and you step up first, but nobody scored that day. Missed. Yeah, soft penalty. It was it was the day that Swindon missed all four attempts. Wow. Yeah, I don't, yeah, it wasn't. I'll say again, a data. Well, not a day to remember. Day to figure, especially for me. Yeah, you also got sent off a couple of times that season, but I've, I've, I'm more than happy with the second sending off. You got sent off at Crew, but you also got sent off against Huddersfield. But that was a wonderful save. I, to be honest, I thought they disguised it really well, but <laughs> the, the the referee or the lines seeing it, yeah, it was. I, I, I felt like I had to at the time yeah. try and get a get a give a penalty away. Or I got sent off, but with that later on in the game, you always think, well, if the keeper saves it, then I'm all right. I've got away with it. Ah, you're all but right no. anyway. You're all right anyway because yeah. uh, it's going in if you don't tip it over the bar and we yeah, win the yeah. game. So it's fine. Nothing wrong with that. That was my idea, but <laughs> that's what I was trying to do. That was a really weird game. I was at that. About twelve people turned up. It was cold. It was our first half display. Yeah. You scored in that game. It was it was a wonderful first half. And then the referee just, you know, one of those games where like you win, but you're still furious with the referee. I mean, both of the sendings off were absolutely spot on. Lee Peacock got sent off for a terrible tackle, and you obviously yeah. got your second yellow for the handball. But everything else was going against us. And I remember the the, the small crowd that did turn up for that game against Huddersfield was was just absolutely. Absolutely fuming. Well, so referees can change change the game. You think in the first half we were doing really well, and then a couple of de- well dodgy decisions uh, can really pick up a crowd, and uh, that sort of has an effect on on the game. And then challenges are going in strong. So that's a, an important part is referees should, be, should have took control of the game. I mean that that season squad wise, as you say, like I think the. The squad through the three seasons that you're at Swindon are pretty, pretty good to be honest. In the sense that they all seem to get along. You had some sort of they won't like this, but old schoolers in Roberts and Lee Peacock playing regularly. That was their final seasons really of playing regular football. You, it was a, it was a good like you said it was a good blend of players, wasn't it? It was. Uh, so we had the experienced pros and then a couple of good youngsters coming through, and that just kept the dressing room together and. We had a good, good squad. Uh, obviously, then uh, Morris Malpass went, and then Danny Wilson came in, and it was, he wanted to put a stamp on his team. Made a few important, well, big decisions with players. Brought in some experience, but with quality, mm. really good additions to the team. Made the, the team stronger, the squad stronger, and that really kicked us on to the next level. Where you're thinking we were sort of bottom half team mm. to then go be challenging. It's a weird season that because we find ourselves down there, but we're we, you know, Danny Wilson sorts it out. But it's it's a season that never really gets going. We get knocked out of the FA Cup by Histon, and and Malpass loses his job, and we just don't seem to get a rhythm. But we do, and like you say, Wilson makes some signings. People like Robson uh, Kanu and Tudor Jones comes in, and just sort and Gordon Greer, of course, which was a huge yeah. signing. And then it was one of them. Uh, right, we'll just try and finish the season. Uh, on a good good note, again the FA Cup game, Histon, that was one of one of the worst get, games, horrible games that I've, I've ever played in. The, I, you know, they brought the the pitch in narrower, yeah, just to to, to utilise a long throw, and we didn't cope with it, didn't cope with it, didn't cope with the conditions. But that's again the FA Cup. Yeah. Everyone's loves the FA Cup. There's always upsets. Unfortunately, that day it was we were one of those upsets. Yeah, it was a weird time for Swindon as well because that's when. 
we were really looking for the manager to leave as a fan base, weren't we? So it was just, and then it still didn't happen after Histon, but it did happen the following game against Brighton in the uh, Football League trophy. And it was kind of like if we would have won 1-0, I don't think Swindon fans would have been happy, let alone losing 1-0. Yeah. Pick somebody out. Far post for Shearer. Goal! Yes! Wonderful goal all the way from the moment that Hazard picked him out. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. So then that takes us to your final season. Your final season is the season where you really come out of the shadows, really, because Simon Cox leaves and then you uh, you, you are the centre forward, the number nine, so to speak. You're wearing the number 20, but you are the number nine, the, the main, the main uh, vocal point for the start of that season. What changed for you? Uh, okay, so with, with Coxie leaving, it, it was more pressure, more onus on me to try and you know, step up. Yeah. Uh, started off reasonably okay. Team was doing well. Uh, Danny Wilson, again, top 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 manager, gelled the team, made some great signings. We had a style of play that we wanted to play. He put that through his training sessions. He delivered that again before every game. Uh, so all players knew the jobs. Robson Carr knew. Was, did he, uh, what, when did Vincent come in? Did he come in before the season or halfway through? Halfway through, I think, yeah. Halfway through. So Danny Ward was there. Yep. Charlie Austin. He, he, he was in on trial for pre-season and he'd go away and then come back. But I remember we start, started off well and then he took me out the team for a bit, Danny Wilson. And I think really... What, that's what I needed at the time to say like if you're not doing it you're out and we played me and, Char- me and Charlie first game we played we played a, a behind door game against Redden we both scored two that day and the partnership just sort of clicked and I think D- Danny Wilson at the time really stood up and went right ooh, could have something here played in Samia the next next game scored two and it really kicks on from there. Yeah, it sure does. I mean, goal scoring wise, you start quite slowly that season, which makes the amount of goals yeah. you score really more the impressive, doesn't it? So um, it's really that Carlisle game where Charlie gets his first goal, and then suddenly you're both in the mix and you're both scoring. Danny Ward's contributing, and it just creates the just from maybe November onwards, December, it just becomes so enjoyable to follow this team. And it just seemed that the squad was, I mean, I've spoke to a lot of players from this season and they always talk about it being one of the best changing rooms they've ever been in throughout yeah. their entire careers. What What was your experiences? Oh, I loved it. Loved every minute. It was, it was brilliant. It's just like when you get the experience, uh, but the professionalism, I've said, Dougie, David Lucas, Gozi Greer, we had Kevin O'Manqua, uh, right back, who's a powerful runner getting forward, supporting JP. Cy Ferry, Anthony McNamee, Danny Ward, with me, Charlie, up top. Now, that's a good, strong team for, for that, and we were causing upsets. Yeah. We were a force to be reckoned with. We uh, we started, so me and Charlie then really hit the ground running when we, we linked up, and I felt like every every time I was stepping onto the pitch, I knew I was going to score because I had the confidence flowing through me, and that's how it was. We were scoring goals for fun. No matter where we, we were, shots were flying in. We had a good partnership at the time and we finished on 40, 44 goals between us. Yeah, and of course you've got those two braces against Leeds. We'll talk about you moving to Leeds a bit later, but 
But those were huge games for Swindon fans at the time. I know it's just like this is your cup final, but for a team like Swindon to beat beat Leeds so convincingly at home and then to just rip them apart at Elland Road, that was a huge deal. Before the Leeds game, my old agents at the time, and this is why he, he was my old agent, phoned me up and said, whatever you do, don't play tonight. And we're like, why am I on my way into to the game now? Don't play tonight. I've got you to move. And I was like, what? So I've got you to move up north to where you want to be. I'm like, no, no. Couldn't believe what I was hearing that he was telling me to don't play in a massive game for Swindon. I was like, no. And I put the phone down. I was like, I can't believe what I've just heard. And then to go out and to beat Leeds, uh, score two. And then I had time to think, like, that's it. He's, he's, he's fucking off. <laughs> can't believe that fella is advising me. That, that, that is crazy, isn't it? And that would have been the January transfer window, yeah? Yeah. Do you know who the club yeah. was? Huddersfield Town. So Huddersfield were looking to sign you and, um, and yeah. your agent was saying don't play today because that would have made a huge difference. I don't know what the logic is there. Yeah, I think it was already sources. Uh, I don't know what, in case it was to get injured or yeah. uh, whatever. Uh, I just couldn't believe what I was being asked. And I was like, no. Yeah. So I, I kept that to me. Kept that to myself until you know, not many people knew at the time. Yeah. Uh, and then went out and, and played football that I was I was enjoying at the time. We beat Leeds. It was a fantastic day, fantastic night actually. <laughs> um, the, the, the place the place was rocking. You know, the fans, all all the lads were, were buzzing in the dressing room afterwards. And it was really a time when hang on, Swind- Swindon here. Uh, a team to be recognised they were a force in, in the division we'll get we'll get to the playoffs in the tail end in just a moment but this is now an opportunity for you hopefully you made a list of some anecdotes for you to uh, unleash a few of life behind the scenes at Swindon during that season yeah we say as a team we were, we were close together uh, when we, we used to always say Tuesday if we didn't have a game we'd all go to uh, a restaurant and have something to eat a uh, little drink and it, it, that continues because we were winning it was like, well, we're not going to break that. So we continued to do it. And it was it came as a routine. And that just brought everyone together. As, as a squad, we were always, not out on the piss, but out in the restaurants and just bonding even more. Even though we were spent... I, I used to wake up in the morning and I'm like, like, I'm buzzing, can't wait to get to 10. Because it was such a good dressing room. It was funny. It was, it was a laugh to get in. We used to get in, have a laugh, a little joke, train as... Danny Wilson would want us to train and then drive back back into uh, the dressing room just causing mischief. <laughs> Little practical jokes. And you and you know people want to know what those practical jokes and mischief are. Yeah, just sort of say always, you know, move, moving cars, dropping stuff off, misplacing stuff, just so it, it, it caused them, the lads at the time, to lose their heads. <laughs> naked naked wrestling matches. <laughs> oh, stuff like that was... <laughs> <laughs> was happening. It was. It was honestly. It was. It was bizarre. I'm gonna have to ask you about the naked wrestling. Kevin Manko was was involved. <laughs> uh, uh, I was involved. Hasn't he at the time? So Cypher used to get picked on quite a lot. I used to try and jump on him. Uh, he used to he used to love his hair so much. I used to pull out all the time just to try and get a bit of hair off. He didn't <laughs> like that. But yeah, it was it was a good dressing room. And again, so when we yeah, it was time to go home back home, you're like. Oh. Well, until the next day. But we were all close together. And I say we when we were all close living anyway. We had to do was pick up the phone. And we'd go we'd go to like we'll we'll have uh, pub quizzes 
that would go to a quiz in the pub just to try and just be together, always be out. How did you do on the pub quizzes? Eh, shite, really. <laughs> it, it, was, it was the taken part. <laughs> and I imagine Fratello's would have been one of the major haunts. Fratello's was there, and the the the, the, Chinese, the Chinese rendezvous, uh, and the fella there thought I was Chinese heritage, <laughs> and he used to say to me, take pictures and everything, and even all the lads jumped on it, so I just milked it. <laughs> so every time I was in, I was getting pictures or stuff like that, <laughs> and he'd, he'd give us he'd give us free stuff. How did you find Swindon when you sort of like based on where you had lived previously? How how did you find living in the town? Really enjoyed it. I say it was you could get to certain destinations quite quick. All the lads, we were all wanting to be out, wanting to be in amongst everyone's uh, company. Yeah, uh, I think the only the only lad that didn't really enjoy it was Scotty Cuthbert because he got the brunt of it all. <laughs> uh, even when it snowed, we'd go round to his. And just start throwing snowballs at his house, hoping to try and get him out. Man. To try and bombard his house. But Cy Ferry used to love it all the time. He used to sort of egg us on. And then when it when it when it goes too far, he was like, Well, oh, I can't believe it wasn't nothing to do with me. <laughs> so he was a little sh- he, he was a little shit sit there at him. <laughs> now I've talked to many players from from your time and the words Cheltenham Festival come up quite a bit. Care to explain? Yeah, we had a... We had a day out at Cheltenham Races. Uh, we were in a box, and the whole team was there, and it was it was a fantastic day. And it was coming to the end, and it was like, oh, this needs to be re- something like remembered here. And someone was mentioning, going, oh, someone get on the course and have a laugh. And again, I didn't say anything, and I just saw uh, Hammond with me. I said, come on, come with me quick. And why, where are we going? So jot down towards... The, the the, uh, the course uh, just before I went onto the course I right come in the toilet with me and I stripped naked only had my shoes on by that by this time people were walking out to go out of the course so I've sprinted over jumped over the fences and horses were co- cooling down at the time and I'm thinking to myself oh, what am I doing here well then I'm looking up and all the lads were on the balcony going yeah in full voice so I'm running up and down the uh, the track, and then it just gets before the finishing line, and I do a cleansman, <laughs> a naked cleansman. Then I jump back over the fence, start doing a bit of shadow boxing, cartwheels, and that. Bolted into the uh, the toilets, quickly got changed, and as I'm coming out the toilets, security are flying past onto the course, trying <laughs> to look for for this uh, random streaker. So I went back up into the box, and all the lads were in in stitches. Like it was just it just raised the the night of the day even more. It was brilliant. The morale was fantastic with that. <laughs> so yeah, I was. Uh, I think that was it. it. Was I did look back and go, why did I do that? But as years has gone on and gone on, this the uh, it's a good job. iPhones weren't really as good or popular back then because it was the Nokia's and the video quality wasn't the best. <laughs> no, you could deny the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's always been suggestions that you got on very well and had a very uh, a mischievous relationship with Hasni Al Joffrey. Yeah, you say we only lived around the corner uh, from each other, and we were always asking, "What, you know, what should we do? Shall we get the lads play pranks?" I remember one time when we we were in London. Uh, Danny Wilson took the team out into London, and there was no curfew, 
So lads being lads, we stayed up uh, up till all hours through the night. Next minute, it's it's morning, six o'clock in the morning. Half the squad still running uh, running around London. So there's this lorry parked up by the lights, and we were like, oh, so me and Hansy jumped on it, thinking, well, the next set of lights, he's going to stop. <laughs> he must have hit. I continue every green light, and he picked up speed. Where the joke started going, like it was a joke at first, to literally shitting ourselves. He was taking corners like a Formula One driver, and things he's trying to get us off here. Eventually, got to the uh, red light and stopped. We quickly bolted. We're looking back for the lads to see how far we went. He must have went a mile, mile and a half, and we were like, never doing that again. That was that was stupid. That least, was stupid. At least you were fully clothed for that one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fully clothed. That uh, no, it was uh, again. You do you do stupid things when you uh, you get egged on by lads, <laughs> especially uh, the, the lads we had. Uh, we, used to, we used to say to people, "No, you won't do that." No, nah, not a chance. And then it'll egg them on even more. And come, yeah, I'll do that. And then all of a sudden they're doing it. I'm not even thinking about it. <laughs> but no, it was a great, great team spirit. I uh, loved every minute. Loved every minute. Every time I turn in the dressing room, it was one of the best dressing rooms I've ever been in. Craig Easton used to invite us round for dinner and we were just general chat. And Halloween was coming up and he mentioned that he was uh, he was shit scared of Freddy Krueger. <laughs> so I just didn't acknowledge it. I was like, oh, right, yeah, yeah. So I just kept it into my mind. So I went out. And bought, went out and bought the Freddy costume. I thought to myself, right, I'm going to have to get him here. How can I get him? Uh, went out in the day, trick or treat with the kids. And it was getting up to about nine o'clock. And I was oh, I've left it too late. But that's, this is the good side of, of Swindon. You, you can get from Oakhurst into Old Town in the next, not, no, 15, 10 minutes. So I said, oh, do you know what? I'll do it. So I'm dressed up as Freddy Krueger. Driving over into Old Town, uh, and he had a big door, a big knocker on. I've run right. I'm going to give three big, big, uh, loud bangs here. Bang, bang, bang. No one, he's going to come out here on the bounce. Think, who the fuck's knocking at my door like this? Which he did. He opened the door, and as he's opened the door, I've jumped off and gone, Freddy Krueger, motherfucker. Well, from from being a tough guy, he squealed and jumped like I don't know what. Uh, he he was on his hands and knees. He was like, his heart was jumping out of his mouth. He was nearly in tears. But I'm glad he's seeing the funny side of it because I think I was going to get chased up and down the street. <laughs> yeah, well, unlike the, uh, the Kai Mohammed story, did he at least talk to you the next day? Eastie was all right. Yeah, he took that well. Uh, where Kaiz and, and Scotty they took time to get over their pranks <laughs> so I think what I, what I did learn is uh, choose your choose the players carefully who, who you're going to prank and who will take it well breaks my heart to hear because I really like Craig Easton oh yeah he was a great lad uh, and numerous, he was always inviting us around for, for tea and yeah it was it was I felt I felt bad but I think it was an easy target. As soon as he mentioned Freddy Krueger, uh, it was a good one. <laughs> Not to turn down. Kerr had made the run ahead of him. This is White. 
Lost the marking. Now Mott! And what joy he will take from that goal. Tail end of the season then. So we're, we're I mean, after the Leeds game at Ellen Road, you get two... And then we beat Tramier shortly after we decimate them 3-0 at the county ground. And things are looking like, it's looking like automatic promotion. And then things sort of just grinded to a halt, didn't they? What happened during that? Was it just like too many games or was it just a, a natural wobble at that stage? I think yeah, teams always have a natural wobble in some part of the season. Uh, unfortunately for us, ours happens close to the, to the end. Still fancy us to, to to get through to get up. Yeah. Last last it was was it last game of the season or two games Leeds secured it. Leeds secured the title. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, um, it was it was it was late on. It was it was pretty tight. Um, we went top I think after the Leeds game, didn't we? And then and then yeah. and then the Tramia win. But then we got tonked at Colchester. We drew one one on TV with Exeter. Then we drew against Walsall and Wickham. And then we sort of pick it up at the end. Um, at the yeah. last home game, but then we lose at Millwall uh, for the final day, which you know it, yeah. by that point it, it doesn't really affect us. But but at what point we was because obviously you were injured going into the playoffs. At what point were you feeling like things weren't well? Was it a, a an impact injury late on? It was it was hamstring injury. So I was I was trying to do all sorts to keep fit to get right. Yeah, you know it was it was affecting me, and then it, it just got worse. So I, I missed out on a playoff game that day. I wasn't needed because it, you know, Charlie and Danny Ward got the goals. Yeah, that's right. The, the first leg that you're in the stands and you're in yeah. there with your lads. And it was yeah. one of those really frustrating things because I was living away. I wasn't at this game. Stereotypical. Yeah. I miss all the good stuff. And um, <laughs> and um, I'm up in Newcastle where I'm living at the time watching it. And all Sky Sports yeah. are talking about at this stage is... Billy Painter, will we be at the club at the end of the season? You're from your side of things. Were you pretty much at Leeds at this point, or was it still up in the air? It was, it was still up in the air, and I, I wasn't really talking to anyone at the time because I was I was concentrating to to get Swindon into the division above. We still had games to play, still had important games to play. We got to the playoff final, yeah, and. I, I, it wasn't. It wasn't the Swindon team that I've played all season. It yeah. was one of those. It was just a, an off day. I don't know where, whether the occasion got. It was too big. Or Millwall were there the season before, and they sort of had the upper hand because they experienced it, so they know what it was like. Yeah. A lot. A lot of. A lot of questions. A lot of things have always been said, but it. It, it, it never happened. So there must be when you when you score like. 29 goals there must be an element to you going I'm sorted either way regardless of of whether a club has come in yet you know whatever happens and do you think that has or did, does it have any sort of element of its human nature sort of like I mean you you didn't sabotage Swindon you weren't fit do you, do you as a side do you think you should have played the second leg I want listen I want I'm, I'm top scorer yeah Danny Wilson wanted me to play I was Felt okay. It was an important game. Now, if it could have went the other way, if it didn't go through, people would have gone, oh, you should have played. Mm. Can't believe that. So it, it was sort of... Uh, Catch-22, isn't it? Yeah, but we got through. Yeah. And then I still had time then to, to, to recover. And there was a lot of time, wasn't there? Yeah. There was a lot of time. So we had a couple of weeks before. But the, the main thing was, well, we get through 
the Charlton game. I say it's a game. Yeah. But we did. We got through it. It was a hell of a game, wasn't it? It was. Uh, penalties. Oof. It could have it could have gone another way, <laughs> but fortunately for us, I like the partner. We, we we scored some penalties. Yeah, exactly right. So yeah, Millwall, as you said, I, I think you're quite right in the sense that Millwall were the better team. They weren't outstanding that day. Swindon just just it just felt like one of those games where it just nothing was going to go our way, and of course the the Austin bubble, which wasn't his fault. That was such a dramatic sort of change of direction for the ball wasn't it yeah that's that, that was our luck on the day you, you, Charlie's in on goal you, you, you'd put your life on he was going to score and then the, the bobble but the pitch at the time oh, it was awful it, it was it was cutting up it was yeah it was awful it just happened to to impact that situation but yeah it, it wasn't but then he goes in he scores we're up ready to go and I think we would have won the game but then he 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 misses not by his own accord, but by the bobble, and that sort of the fans feel that the players you're like that was an opportunity. <laughs> okay, well, well that's yeah. that's the season over. At what point? How does it work then in in football with with like <coughs> transfers? You just want to get away, feel sorry for yourself, bemoan the luck, things like that. I get that. At what stage does it become? sort of the conveyor belt of the process of, of a departure start to take place? Is it like when when Swindon lost in the playoffs in 2015, it felt like half our squad was gone about a week or two later. What was it like for you in leaving Swindon? I'll say it, it happened quick. Leaving Southend from training to then just get a phone call to say, go. It happens, it happens quick. It happens quick. Sometimes you don't know of a move coming on. You might hear that there's interest, but nothing's nothing's ever concrete. <clears throat> I was in talks with two of them, uh, with Andrew Fitton, but again, with me having a good season, I wanted to. He gave me a two year, and I wanted a bit more security. I wanted a three year. He did, he wasn't going to give me a third year. So we had the end of season awards done that, and then the next day it was got a quick a phone call of of an interest of a club. Uh, go and speak, go up and speak to them, which was Leeds at the time. Yeah. So drove drove up, spoke to them. I still at this point still haven't haven't signed. A couple of days passed, nothing was coming from Swindon. So yeah, I, I, then I signed with Leeds. Then I told Swindon. Then the next day I'm come, I'm driving back home, gets to my house. Postman comes back with a letter. Oh, what's this? And it was. Uh, a contact offer from Swindon, so I was like, I can't believe that. <laughs> and was it three years or was it? No matter what, it was too late because I've already, I've already signed. Yeah, wow, unbelievable. But which was, which oh. was, it's a shame. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you like the dressing room. I mean, we only lose, we lose you and Gordon Greer, which isn't a dramatic sort of change of of the changing room. So, I mean, I'm just thinking here on a on a perspective of. Pros and cons, because frankly, for anybody who isn't a Swindon fan, you go to Leeds, right? Yeah, it's as simple as that, isn't it? I mean, I, I'm, I'm a Swindon fan, oh. but I'm, I'm not. I'm not yeah. like it's, it, Leeds. Leeds. Leeds a massive club. They just got promoted. Unfortunately, he just picked us. Yeah. yeah, at our expense. But again, with me scoring two uh, in both games yeah. and Alan Road, it, it probably they've sort of. 
stood up at the time. Maybe yeah. I wasn't on their radar until we went to Ellen Road. The facilities there, you know, <laughs> you're thinking Premier League standard. Yeah. Again, up north. It, so it, I think I felt at the time it was a, an opportunity I couldn't really turn down. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I don't mind that. I think legacy-wise, being sort of reading what Swindon fans were saying at the time, it just. I think their biggest concern was that this was all done and dusted before the playoffs which wasn't the case I don't think anyone can begrudge you a move to Leeds United you know what I mean so it it is one of those things how did you find the goldfish bowl the the bubble sorry that is Leeds United yeah again you know you know it's a big club massive fan base Uh, but when you've actually gone I, I couldn't believe it really, really opens up my eyes to think, wow, this this club is is even bigger than what I actually thought. The fan base, the fans, again, it's 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 a one team town, isn't it? One yeah. town, well, one team city. So everyone in Leeds supports Leeds, and Leeds is a big area. They, they they do have this reputation. The fan base have been quite intense and not really letting players get too much time to breathe in in relation that you hit the ground running or it's not good enough. Did you find that? Yeah, I, I went and because we didn't have a much break off you know, off season, just finished the, the playoffs, uh, the playoff final, and then within a couple of weeks I'm back pre-season. So again, quick quick turnaround. Me, I was remember was in Slovakia, me, we out training, and my shin just shattered. Oh. So it was just just blue, and uh, so I had, a, I had a stress fracture. So you you. You're buzzing and you're excited to get going. And then all of a sudden now you've got a major setback, which cost me a couple of months. Because it, it wasn't a break, it was a stress fracture. Yeah. And I always, I always say, like, oh, I wish I wish it was a break because I'd recover quicker. Yeah. So I had to wait and it took me, well, six, seven months to come back. By that time, you know, you're playing catch-up and I was coming back, to, trying to come back too soon. And it, it kept blowing up. And, yeah... Leeds wanted success. They wanted to be in that Premiership where you know, fans always want to be, uh, and we just missed out. Yeah, in that first season playoffs. Yeah, just missed seventh. out. Yeah. Uh, so, so they hit the ground running. It's where it's detrimental for an injured footballer because if they're having a great season, and then you've got to come in and try and state you, you know, you've got to do your bit, but also try and get to the first team. And you, your career at Leeds is very much start a few, sub a few, isn't it? It's it's quite disjointed. Yeah, yeah. Was a couple of minutes here, back out, bench. It was sort of, again, going from, from Swindon where my confidence was, was through the roof and everything I was hitting was going in yeah. to them now. Your confidence <laughs> is low. Nothing's going in. No. So it's, again, it's... You see it in, in other players. Players move to different clubs. It hasn't worked, but then then they move on, and then all of a sudden, then it's it, it's clicked again. Yeah, people have sort of those situations in the career. How did how did you find Simon Grayson? He's always a, ma- a manager that I've found to be, you know, I've, well, I have to be honest, I've, I rate him quite highly. How how did you find him? Yeah, he was, Sam Grayson was good. Uh, Sammy, again, he was one of them. If if I was injured, I wasn't involved. Then, you know, I'm 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 out the way. Yeah. Uh, with, with the physios uh, doing all my work trying to get keep fit trying to keep, keep well, mentally sane because uh, every, every time I'm waking up and all I'm doing is spending the, in the physio room uh, not with the teammates in around 
the dressing room or the most important part, the, the playing field. Yeah. So it was, it was it was difficult. You also you also had a little while working alongside another Swindon link, Gus Poyet. How did you find that that loan spell at Brighton? Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Two months down there, and <laughs> beautiful beautiful place. Gus was fantastic. Good manager, passionate man. Really, really had a style of play. Really had Brighton playing some really nice football. He put a stamp on that, and I think that from him, he's really kicked on Brighton, and that's where I think you see where they are today. From from him, yeah. Was it one of those ones where, oh man, if I could just get a hat trick this game, I might be able to stay down in Brighton for a while. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was. It was nice, but again, my family were living up north. I was. Sure. I spent Christmas by myself. Uh, New Year was in a hotel. Uh, sacrifices that you, you know you have to make. Yeah. Uh, but with a young, with a young a young family, you know, kids didn't really enjoy that time. Yeah, that's fair enough. And so you do get a move that stays in the north with Doncaster Rovers in 2012. I think it's Dean Saunders that's your manager at that point. And what yeah. a season that was. And more importantly, what a conclusion to that season it was. Well, again, it happened so quick. We were down in uh, Cornwall pre-season. Neil Warnock said, right, we've had a phone call going going to uh, speak it was not county at the time and Doncaster so I had to get a train from where I was Plymouth it took, that took a long time yeah. <laughs> to get the train up to Sheffield met Keith Kale spoke to him then I spoke to Dean Saunders and for me I had a good vibe and I liked what Dean had to say and we moved to, to Doncaster uh, and then to have a good season uh, to get into a position and it, to the to the end Last game of the season where we had we had the best away record. Brentford had the best home record. So it was right one of them. Bournemouth had a bad away were were complaining that well we should get the trophy off that Samia. Yeah. But three teams could could win it. Yeah. Bournemouth drew with Samia. I come off the bench. They got a penalty in the ninety sixth minute. We thought, oh this this is over. <laughs> we're again back in the playoffs. We're in the playoffs. So I'm over by the dugout having a drink, calling the lads all sorts for giving the penalty away. <laughs> so Trotter gets gets the ball. There's loads of arguing who's taking it, whatever. Trotter gets the ball. But what what was mad, all the players of Brentford were in and around the box. So there was no one back. Yeah. So Trotter's smashed the ball, hit the bar, bounced, and there was a little, little melee just all ricocheting the ball. The ball came to Quinny and he just cleared it. And it came to me. Stood on the halfway line <laughs> with acres of space, no one around me to then run towards the goal. And then I seen Coppinger, Coppinger next to me, and I just played him a nice little softball, and he nearly, nearly misconsoled it, by the way. <laughs> and uh, from then, he scored, it just went off. It just went off it. I couldn't believe it. We were, going, we were third from this penalty. If this goes in, third to then going up as champions. Absolutely it was, incredible. It, yeah, it was madness, and the, the coach, the coach journey on was was really, really enjoyable. <laughs> if it had that goal gone in, you would have played Swindon in the playoffs as well, and I think, I think I would have preferred that as well. Ah, right, I, yeah. did, I didn't know that. All, all our focus up, we were up with with champions. We've won, we've won champions, <laughs> and the coach journey. Well, well, it was just kicked on then, and we were straight out since then, and night into Zoncaster, <laughs> and can't, can't remember much. 
<laughs> That's fair enough. No, um, we played Brentford in the playoffs that year. We we should have beat them at the county ground, 1-1 draw. And then we were down against them. And then we scored in the last minute. Aidan Flint scored in the in the dying moments um, against them. And then we lost on penalties, unfortunately. And, yeah. uh, and I, I think we were all right against Doncaster, maybe, that year. That's based on very little. Yeah. But but I, I think I would have preferred it. But these, these things happened. So during your time there, because obviously Dean Saunders left during that season. Paul Dickoff came in at the end. Um, sorry, at the start of the new. How did you find working alongside people that had been there, done that in the Premier League? I enjoyed working with Dean Saunders. He was he was different. He had his own different way of, of trying to manage. He'd wanted a good dressing room. We had good experienced pros. We had a good solid team, team of men. The back four was, I think, 6'2 plus uh, across the back four. We had a big, big squad. And uh, at times, you know, we didn't play great football, but the football that we did want to play, it was effective and got results. Mm. To then Paul Zickhoff coming in, he had a different outlook different kind of play. Uh, we brought in uh, uh, an assistant who took most of the coaching. So, yeah, again, he had his own ideas. I wasn't involved. So it, it started to get a bit, well, well, I need to move you. And then, then the loan spell was Sheffield United with Nigel Clough. And then... Yeah, it went, to, it went to Sheffield. Uh, but I'll say, it was a good loan move, but it wasn't because I wasn't playing much regular football because... Chef you are in the FA Cup and he went on a fantastic one yeah. beating the likes of Fulham um, Villa and what Nigel Clough was doing he was getting plays back and playing them to for fit to get fitness so it, it sort of cost me and I was <laughs> I was cup tired so I couldn't play in the, the FA Cups because I come on for five minutes yeah. I think against Stevenage <laughs> and we were getting beat 3-1 and then that sort of cost me a chance then to play in all those games for yeah. Sheffield to then even play at, at Wembley against Hull. Unbelievable, isn't it? How those sort of things happen. You just think bloody Stevenage. Um, and after yeah, and after that, your career sort of winds down, but there's like a nice little spike in your penultimate season. So you join Carlisle, doesn't really seem to work out then. Again, it looks like a change of uh, managers, but it's funny because Keith Curl, who you were talking to previously, comes in, um, at Carlo, yeah. doesn't he? He come in and, his, and the first first words was not like a hello to the team. It was Billy Painter turned me down, and then all eyes were on me. <laughs> and I just looked up, I've gone, I gaffer, <laughs> and it was like an awkward silence for a bit. And it was like, oh, that's, that's it. it. Oh, I might as well just pack my bags now. <laughs> So it, 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 that ended on a sour note. Uh, get one of them I, again. I got the PF. I was getting treated wrong. It happens in football. Kevin Ellison was going through a couple of months ago. It, when managers want you out, they freeze you out. Yeah. They, they, they isolate you. They make you train by yourself. You, it tests you. You know, puts you in a dark place at times. Yeah. Uh, it's it's it, it, no, it wasn't enjoyable, and. He was, say, using his power, his positional power, to f- for the for the for the wrong reasons. I thought, and that's why I, I seeked help from the PFA, which which they helped out. Uh, and then, yeah, Hartlepool came came in, and I was I could, I was on I was honestly thinking, uh, 
I'm ready to chuck it in. I was, I say, I'm too old to be treated like a, like this. Don't deserve. So I just thought, oh, I might as well call it a day. Then Hartlepool came in and, and sort of gave me a, a new lease of life towards me back end of my career. Yeah, you have a great penultimate season as a pro footballer. You sort of, I remember when you kept scoring and, and you know, all the magly things. People start sort of like, why is Billy Painter at Hartlepool? But it sounds like it just need, you just needed that kickstart club where maybe you have to sort of yeah. drop your standards of what club you join in order to start enjoying your football again. Yeah, and that was a, that was a good club. A yeah. Good uh, dressing room, team, the back room staff were all close together. So yeah, it was it was a long way to travel, yeah. but I used to enjoy, and I felt you know, I felt wanted. So which was good for for me confidence from going. Well, I was in a dark place, really thinking about chucking it in to then. Well, I'm wanted here, and then oh, I'm, oh, I'm captain. Bloody hell, didn't expect this. <laughs> so um, again, I, I felt that was good man management from from Ronnie Moore. Uh, he he, knew, he noticed that he had you know a decent player on his hands and how could they get the best out of him how could, for, for the team yeah well, when, when you are in a dark place and you reach out do they look after you beyond that request so you know they do what needs to be done but do they sort of once especially when you retire to sort do they sort of check up to see how footballers are doing at that stage as well no so after the inquest I it was all over and then that was it yeah not 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 came back from it. Sure. Uh, no follow up. Uh, yeah, it was it was that was it. And I, re- I ruptured my Achilles towards the back end of the second season. Yeah, and I felt I was going to get a, another deal, but I got basically chucked out on me on my backside because yeah. with, with Dave Dave Jones came in. Yeah, again, another wasn't wasn't working. Uh, and I got yeah left left out. Didn't renew my contract. Uh, was training by myself to try and recover from me my Achilles injury, which was, which was hard. But and then I joined, you know, contacted the the PFA to try and help me get fit, train. So I went down to St George's Park, used their facilities, the physios, uh, for a week. Then. I had Crawley. Crawley were interested. Oh. So I was spoken spoken to Harry Kuehl, ready to go down and and basically sign. So I, I played in in a game, just a, a game, just to, to try and get a bit of fitness, a bit of cobwebs off. And the last kick of the game, I've gone up for the header, won the header, but my foot stays yeah. on the floor, which yeah. the defender has, has put his foot on my heel. And it ruptured again. Yeah. Uh, so that that was that was closure for me. That was me, me. No, oh, that's my career over. I had to phone Harry Kuehl up the next day and say, "Listen, thanks for your interest, but that's it. Uh, that's me finished." How did that feel? Because you, what you've had like almost a twenty-year pro career, and then it's just over on the on a jump in pre-season. Was it like? Was it really in the back of your mind for a while, and you were just sort of, well, see how this Crawley trial goes, or, or what was happening? Yeah, with me training by myself, to and everything, and things myself. Right, this is me last sort of push here. Yeah. Uh, if it 
if anything happens, then I know it's for a reason. Uh, because I was a bit unsure. I thought, well, well if I retire now, I don't get a club. It's always that doubt in your mind. Well, what if? I, I feel like I could still play. Uh, I gave it a go. It happens again, and then that was it. Then I've, I've then I've, I'm gonna have to do all that again. <laughs> Surgery, uh, a year of, of training to then try and get back. And it was just one of them. Well, uh, I'm gonna have to call it a day. Uh, it, it was closure for me. Yeah, it happened for a reason. So it was. Uh, no, I had. Listen, looking back on my career from the age of 16, you're thinking, well, if I've played over 500 league games, you know, you tell that 16 year old kids you're going to play over 500 league games, go over, over 100 plus goals, you'd, you'd say no, no way. But I've, looking back, I've had a fantastic career. Oh, absolutely, you have. And especially, like, as you quite rightly say, I mean, to play, you know, over 500 games, scoring over 100, well, 131 goals. And yeah. I think the average for appearances is about half of that for a, for a, yeah. a football league player. So to sort of double it and to always be in work as well. Of course, at the end, you're going from club to club, but you, you, you don't have that or you don't have a prolonged period of wilderness. So at least you, you were able to retire on your terms, even though if it was injury. Yeah. No, I wouldn't say it was one of those, but I was happy to go and play football anyway. You yeah. know what I mean? I was always happy playing football. Uh, the only time I wasn't wasn't happy when I, when it's not. And so that's when I was I was after move move on brief spells, long spells. I've I've moved. Well, I've I say I've I've travelled all around <laughs> England, different 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 parts of England to play football, uh, and I've really enjoyed it. Met some fantastic people. Made some great friends along the way yeah. and that's at every club I've been at so every club where you say oh it's been a uh, not a success well in other ways you see positivities out of that You all, I've made some good friends there had a good time here I, mean, I say maybe at the, at the time well, oh, one of my kids were conceived there <laughs> <laughs> uh, going through a bad time yeah, uh, but yeah it's uh, it was you know looking back the clubs that I've played uh, from where I've, where I've came from to yeah, it's a uh, really really enjoyed it, and um, but me, me me time my best time was was at, at Swindon. Lovely, that's what we like to hear. Can Rose deliver on this occasion? Before we close on Swindon, I just wanted to ask what you're up to now. Well, apart from isolation <laughs> and uh, doing just staying in the house, I've been coaching at a Category 1 Premiership League uh, Academy. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm coaching at the moment. Nice. See where that takes me. Yeah, and how, how have you found that? From someone who who didn't get that sort of coaching early on because you went to Port Vale. How have you How have you found sort of learning your coaching skills and experiencing the academy, the top academy system firsthand so late on? Yeah, I've, uh, so again, so I retired. So I was in my foot in a cast thinking what to do. I'm lying on the couch. Uh, probably haven't been washed for, for a couple of days like a slob. And then all of a sudden, 
I started, I started being proactive. Like, what have I got in in my possession that could help me? Yeah. I need coaching badges, okay? Coaching badges at them and had experience as a as a footballer. So I, I picked up the phone, uh, contacted, said, "Listen, are you looking for some casual casual work?" So I went in casual coaching, and that's how the ball started rolling. Uh, really, really testing because you you sort of dealing with kids. And how you've got to coach, and how you've got to really give detail to the audience that you're coaching, yeah. instead of well, if it's a first team, then you only have to say certain things, and the players understand and know. Where the age groups that you're working with, uh, you have to give the right detail so they understand, and it probably helps out because my kids are at that, at that age, so I can try and communicate how on the level how they, sh- they should be and want to be talked to. So it's been good. Really enjoyed it. I think leadership skills have, have you know have really come through, and every, every day is a, a learning curve. Fantastic. Well, let's finish off now because we, we've been talking for a good while, and I've enjoyed it all. Thank you very much. So we always end on Swindon Town. So first, very basic yeah. questions: who who are the most talented players that you played alongside at Swindon? One I want to mention who I think it was very talented at the time, and he scored goals. Out of not in the way in the manner that he scored goals, it was like how the fuck he done that? Is is Coxie? The the goals he he scored his time in in Swindon and even like the, the one in Fenerbahce, it was now you've got to have some sort of ability or confidence to even think on, on or, and even try that. But yeah, he's a very very talented boy. Yeah, I completely he, I completely agree. And what was weird about Simon Cox in time is he had that glorious season before you kicked on and had yours I I do wonder though whether because you and Charlie had such a good partnership shortly afterwards that that sort of we we forget about how good and how talented Simon Cox was when he was at Swindon nobody denies that he wasn't but it just isn't talked about as much now no no for for a young kid to come uh, to Swindon and score 32 wasn't it 30 odd goals so uh, yeah I'm surprised he doesn't get really, really spoken of. Again, is that this uh, forgetting because me and Charlie had a, a great season as a pair, but me and Coxie had a good relationship as well. Uh, where it was a different style of play. Coxie played more on the shoulder, and I come in, come more deep to link. Got a load of turns in and fed balls into to, to Coxie, and he's got his goals. I see a couple of videos of of highlights, and I always tweet or a little text to Coxie go oh what a pass that was through for me <laughs> you know the chip the chip the chip wasn't that as bad but uh, we, whereas me and Charlie we were a lot closer together and high up the pitch mm. so again different different strikers different partnerships and Coxie's done well for himself moving down to Australia now yeah yes yeah, I see now fantastic move for him different environments different culture and then yeah this outbreak has, has made him Cuts the season short. I did text him and said, "Oh, you, you lasted there. You did really well there. Got the got the manager sacked. I mean, that's that's the sort of impact I, <laughs> I made." <laughs> uh, you know, well, we had Anthony McNamee. He was always tricky, clever, skillful little player. Danny Ward was always had talent coming through. Hal Robson Canu was a powerhouse. Always had talents, and you think he'd always play at a high level. Uh, and again, my strike partner, he was he was a, a rough diamond. 
talented. Well, you don't get talent by natural, not just sticking the ball on the back of the net. And he, he, he was fantastic at that. And when you close your eyes and think of Swindon Town Football Club, what is the memory that sticks out the most? Uh, the, to be honest, the people around. So Sandy, the programme girl. I used to walk in and Sandy was always there and greet me or give me hugs and kisses. Uh, I si mentioned uh, Phil. <laughs> uh, always there for when, when you turned up. He was always pivotal. He was there not, and always entertaining, asking you questions. Uh, Roger the kit man, a legend. You couldn't do more for you. He, was, he wanted... Everything perfect for you. He was he was spot on. Rog loved him to bits, uh, and even the people around in the, in the uh, say Chris Tanner was always there. People in the background that you, fans don't really see, but they they they're just as important as as the players as well. Cause they they kept they kept the zestful room going as well. Lovely, Billy Painter. Thank you very much. Thank you, and hopefully this this gets uh, sorted because. Um, Swindon in a, in a such fantastic position. Richie Wellens is, is done, doing a fantastic job. I played with Richie at uh, Doncaster, and it's great to see him getting Swindon in a position. And hopefully, this crisis gets over and Swindon do get promoted, and the season's not void. Here's hoping. Thank you very much. Thank you. The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.